The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. Ready? Are we rolling? Are we recording? All right. Hello, hello, hello. I'm John Sacco, and this is Pile of Scrap. Matt and his father, Mark. John, nice to see you. It's been a while, Mark. It has been. Too long. Yes. So, you know, I sit here and... Uh, this is a great story of the Goldman family and two of my dearest friends in this industry. Mark, you and I go back from 1988. You were the number eight customer of Sierra. Yes, I remember that transaction dearly. And you were pretty tough to deal with. <laughs> my wife tells me that. <laughs> I, I can understand that. But we did, we came to a great understanding. Uh, we were both happy with the deal. And more and above all of that, I was thrilled to death with the performance of the equipment. Well, you were one of the first people that had it, and I can't tell you how many people called you, and I know you, you, always, you always were there for Sierra, and uh, all these years later, you know, we, we can really call each other friends for, from the deal back in the 80s where really there were no contracts. It was a it was handshake. It was. And today... You're one of my only customers, Matt. It's a handshake. People ask me in the office, okay, it's a deal. Well, where's the money? It's a deal. I see, I get to override anything in the office because it's always first money's in to the sell. That's right. But you and Mike Lewis, who your father and you all know, you're only two people that their word, that's it, that's a deal. It, 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 well, where's it's their word? So, the tradition, Father, you taught your son amazingly well. Absolutely. He, uh, he learned very, very well. Well, and this is the interesting story. We're, we're not talking about a generational business anymore. You sold out in 2006. That's correct. You were working with Dad. That's correct. I want your perspective. Dad is now selling your future. Well, uh it it hit me uh, pretty hard, as you can imagine. I had worked there uh, most of my adult life and also as a kid growing up. But I understood that uh, the business was uh, owned by a couple of families and uh, had a very large employee base and uh, it was a little more of an undertaking than uh, um, I could handle or that I would want or that my dad would uh, want for me. Uh, it wasn't really an option. At the time. At the time, it was not an option. Well, here we are 13 years later, and you're running an operation. I don't know if it's the same size or how close is it, Mark, to well, where it, you were? It's, the operation is very similar in a lot of aspects. Um, we did not have a, a large brokerage division, which Matthew has. Uh, and uh, he gets to reap the benefits of that brokerage division uh, while he's also in the scrap metal recycling business. But uh, I would think that the uh, level of responsibility and the exposure to uh, things that go well and things that don't go well are probably equal to what we had experienced back in those days. So even though he took all, everything that he learned with him when he started up Pasco Iron and Metal, uh, he's... He knows a lot about what not to do because, quite frankly, whenever you start a business from scratch, there's going to be errors. There's going to be mistakes. 
Well, he had the benefit of learning what not to do at an early age and took that with him and today is evidence of uh, his learning. So Matt, Pasco Iron and Metal, we're outside of Tampa a few miles where Scrap Ball, your dad's company, was right in the heart of Tampa. And you're creating this. I'm, uh, I'm not amazed or not shocked that you did this, but now that I look at and walk your yard today, you're a one-man show. Your dad had a partner and some teammates that Bob and, and, and you know, and then your head tech, uh, mechanic, Hank, you know. I mean, these were critical to the success of Scrapple. You're a one-man show. Uh, how do you do this? How are you balancing this? You're a husband, you're a father, and you're growing your business, and it's growing. Yeah, that's a great question, and that seems to be the, uh, the biggest task at hand. The simple answer is uh, the employees that we've uh, hired here. We uh, take a great deal and pride in training our employees, hiring the right staff, treating them as a family, and it really pays off. We have unbelievably low turnover, which is very unique for our industry. How and many scrap all employees do you have here? Uh, we have four or five employees that had worked for so my family. So do they take your vision because of the culture that scrap all was and knowing what you want because it's the same culture because that was the thing about scrap all integrity honesty i mean it, it there was no shenanigans never was and that's why the reputation exists so these people help you they already know what you're looking for that's exactly right and uh it's unfortunate that uh, that culture uh didn't exist in in the uh the firm that my father sold and uh, we were able to uh, hire them and uh, carry on the tradition that they had learned and like you said earlier the knowledge uh, the knowledge is invaluable and I, every day I, I can't thank my father enough for uh, allowing me to work in a place where I could develop this how knowledge. often are you bouncing your future plans your plans with dad how, how often are you guys just hey son what's going on dad I'm doing this what do you think well, uh, I try. We try to talk once a week. Uh, it can uh, get a little challenging, uh, but I would say on a macro level, uh, we discuss pretty much everything. Um, I, one of the uh, great things about my father is he's 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 fairly conservative in his business strategies, and he he always points out uh, the the negative uh, side of going into a venture, going into a deal, and he always knows the ramifications before they happen. So tell me something that he told you as you started out on this journey by yourself, what words, what were the, that, that just hold true every single day you come in to go, you know, it, it, without that knowledge or that input? I think, uh, as you know, being in the scrap business yourself, there is a lot going on, especially uh, if you're in the Ferris and non-Ferris business. Uh, I think one of the most important things that he's ever told me that uh, was pretty simple. It was uh, success in business is when you have control over your business and it does not have control over you. And I really think about that all the time. That is the definition of success. I've never heard that. And that's you, Mark. Well, it is. It's very important because quite frankly, if you have control over your business, 
you will be successful if you make the right decisions but if you don't have control over your operation you don't even get a chance to make a decision the decisions are made for you because of your inaction so he's absolutely right um, and I never really thought over the years as we were working together that that was sticking <laughs> but uh, he listened to you it, then. but he really did and so to all those parents out there who wonder are, are the kids really paying attention are they going to learn anything at all from this relationship the answer is yes and I can tell you there's nothing more rewarding than to uh, be in my position and get to see the success in an industry that I know is so difficult and uh, to your point John he is um, on his own in a one man show yeah we talk quite often especially about uh, big decisions but uh, how to run the day-to-day -day operation it, it all comes from him well, well I knew hold on I, I met you when you were 17 years old okay this was before the pink house I don't know why I remember the pink house there in Tampa but something right when when you became full-time is your knowledge of non-ferris for me was just how does he know that much so soon you have a gift of knowing your metals. Look, I've been doing this for 30-something years. I don't know the metals like you do. I'm, like, intimidated to even open my mouth. Yeah, that's aluminum. Yeah, that's stainless. Yeah, that's copper. That's it. Okay, I might, of course, I know a few more grades, but I asked you today, you do 25 different types of aluminum here. Yeah. And it, you're comfortable with it all. Uh, it's, it's a lot to manage, but you're exactly right. Um, Non-ferrous, uh, I've seemed to gravitate toward non-ferrous more than ferrous. Uh, however, we're doing more ferrous than I would have ever imagined, uh, as, it, as it has sometimes it accompanies the non-ferrous. Uh, but one of the things that I like about non-ferrous is that I find it challenging to find a consumer for our products that makes exactly the type of scrap that we're supplying. They need the chemistry that you're they supplying. They need the chemistry, they need the alloys. So I find it challenging to dig into the alloys, dig into the chemistries, and find a user who needs that product. So instead of selling into a lower market or a secondary market, go to the top of the market. Analyze your scrap, segregate your scrap, get to the top of the market. So is this genetic? It's not generational, this is genetic. He took, obviously, it's, it's like, you see musicians, their sons, they're musicians, so their daughters, they're musicians. It's something genetic and within families. So is the scrap genetic? Did you pass it along genetically, or what's the deal here? Well, I think it is. I think the, the success you get from being able to identify the components of the metal which will bring you a greater return is uh, self-fulfilling. So a long time ago, we realized that um, you buying at one grade and then selling at a second grade because of your ability to segregate the alloys is extremely profitable. So yes, anyone can buy and sell scrap aluminum, but not everyone can segregate the aluminum by alloys and command a greater price. So what he's saying is that his ability to understand and his knowledge of the aluminum and the alloys makes him more profitable and there isn't a better reason to gain that knowledge than to be more profitable well that it's always been impressed i've always been impressed by your knowledge it shows walking the yard today 
all the different little things that you showed me, different grades and how you're doing things, you know, but how much more can you grow until you just, it's too much for you, Matt? You're what, 47? Uh, 47. That's a great question. I ask myself that all the time. Um, yeah, I don't have that answer today, but uh, I am aggressive by nature. I don't ever want to uh, stay stagnant in this business. Uh, we're continuing to search for new business. We're always investing in equipment. Uh, it, we will never be complacent in this industry. But uh, at a point, uh, it will become uh, the question where lo many small or medium-sized companies uh, are faced with. Your children, any, any interest in the scrapyard? Absolutely not. They have no interest <laughs> at all. See, now he had interest in your operation, but now his kids don't. You know, I don't have that. My, my daughter, she's 20, going to be a junior at USC, and she wants, she's a big city girl, big world. She, she's a world traveler. She's in Berlin right now, part of a course, and she sees the world as her oyster, not Bakersfield, California. Yeah, this business is, uh, uh, is tough to, to uh, uh, find the right person to fit into it, and uh, I would never force my children into it. Uh, they would have to want to come in. So, Mark, let's go back to when you made the decision that it was time to sell Scrapple. You have a son who you know is capable. He has all the, the, the characteristics that you want but you have to make this hard decision. Sell? And am I selling my son out? How much anguish did that cause you when you had to make that decision? Or was it just, no, this is what needs to happen? Well, it was a little bit of, of both. Actually, um, he made the decision really easy for me. How so? Well, by... Um, knowing that his knowledge base was more than sufficient to ensure that he would have success regardless of whether he stayed with a new company or not. I didn't really expect him to stay with the new company. One of the reasons why Scrapple was not just passed from one generation to another, as you said, was that there I had a partner and he had family in the business as well. And those things don't always go well, as you know, over time. People have different characteristics and different personality traits. And I didn't want to subject my son to have to not only deal with running a business, but have to deal with um, those differences between the people who are involved in running the business. I felt it was better to get him started on his own somewhere in an area where he could take all the knowledge he walked away with and implement it and be successful. Uh, I don't want to say I told you so, but I was absolutely right. And he did exactly as I expected him to do. So actually it was the, in the game of chess, you know, life's a chess match sometimes in the business world. So actually he made the right moves to set you up, to not burden you, anchor you was something that could not be successful and could lead to later discourse or, or, or just wasn't going to be your style, he, Matt. He, he did. Uh, he has great foresight. I can certainly say that now. Um, I, I was absolutely bitter 
um, when he first told me that uh, he was going to sell out. Uh, but in hindsight, uh, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. He says, work for the new company for a little while. If it doesn't work out, start a place of your own. Uh, he was smart enough to craft an agreement where I was able to do that. Uh, and here we are 13 years later having a, this podcast in here doing that and I couldn't thank my dad enough I mean it's it, it's from going from being bitter and upset to just sitting here and, and, and thanking him profusely for the knowledge that, that he's given me uh, I wouldn't be where, where I am it's today. a shrewd move really and Mark you were you know sometimes people use shrewd as a negative connotation you know but shrewd was your savvy and your foresight that I mean, scrap all from 1988 when you took the first Baylor to scrap all the day you sold was a ginormous operation. You went from this little to this massive 22-acre facility with all these rails, and it's like, you know, you probably didn't think it, but you knew you, you had the foresight, and I think that, uh, like I say, it was a blessing. It, it, it turned out it could have been a curse, but it turned out to be a blessing. And my father, you know, he always wanted me to take over the family business, me and my brother, Philip. And I guess because we had Sierra Recycling and Demolition, Sierra International Machinery, we, he was able to separate and say, one runs this, one runs that. And in the end, you work together, but you let one run it. And you really don't have any too many stepping on the feet. And, and that's, I think, the success of my brother and I, because we still have the one thing Dad instilled in us, your word. Without your word of honor, you got nothing. And so my brother and I have an amazing relationship of trust amongst these, because I know he's got my back, and he knows I have his back. I don't think this new generation, Mark, has that. You were instilled with it with your father. So you have that characteristic, that gene that, that understands. But, you know, I, I don't know about this new world. I, I, everything's a contract now. Everything's a contract. Yes, um, the curse of technology is also <laughs> the blessing of technology. And if you don't use it well, uh, you will pay the price. So I think the, the thing I take away from this discussion more than anything else is that the decision I made apparently seems to have been right, but it only was right because of Matt's ability to be successful. So it could have gone totally different, but it wasn't. He took what he learned and he never forgot that. And on his own, he made himself extremely successful. So let's talk about Tampa for a second and the growth of this area. Because from when we first met Mark, 1988 to 2019, what's the population increase in, in the 50 mile radius of Tampa? How many more people are we dealing with? Oh. From 88 to now, I think we're both, uh, Tampa Bay areas consist of uh, yeah. Hillsborough and Pinellas, called the Bay Area. I would say it's in the two and a half million range. Two to three million. To what was it in 88? It was probably less than a million. Less than a million. Okay, in industry. Now, now, industry, because of the population growth in Florida in general, and a lot of factories moving south because of a, the right to work state, a little bit more advantageous, non-union shops that you were famous for the Northeast, Detroit, you know, and all that area. So a lot of 
factories and stuff have come down here. That's correct. Uh, most of our suppliers in the machine shop or industrial stampers are from either the Midwest or the Northeast. Uh, very few uh, are, are original startups here in Florida. How much more room is there for Northern Florida for these industries? You think you're at, how much more growth do you really see five, 10 years? Oh, absolutely uh, unlimited. Uh, our county in particular has uh, marked a corridor for industrial manufacturing, industrial growth. Uh, the areas, uh, I would say, uh, we can see double, triple growth in that type of industry. Uh, Florida, like you said, is a right-to-work state, uh, and the state and the counties are also giving incentives for industries to move down here. Um, we don't, we're not we're a, a tax, a state income tax-free state as well. That makes it encouraging for companies coming out of New York. Are you sure you or, don't want to come to California? It's only no, 13.5% income Yeah, no, John, I think I will uh, I'll visit at this point. But it's hot and humid here. <laughs> well, you know, you chose to come in August. That, that was your decision. Okay, so it but, wasn't the best one. <laughs> well, I can tell you August, uh, July, August, September are uh, okay. the months that We you were out in the yard for what? maybe an hour from 9 a.m. to 10 and when I walked in I mean I'm, I'm just my hair's wet everything's I'm just drenched now Bakersfield we get hot we don't have this so yeah uh, it comes with the territory here in Florida uh, I guess do. that's cause I guess humidity because you have to live in humidity there's no taxing that so in California you, have to, you gotta get taxed true. is that yes. the way it works yes you have better weather and more taxes uh, we have Bad weather and no taxes. <laughs> so, Mark, you and I have uh, something in common. We have the same anniversary date. Yes, uh, we Our do. wedding anniversaries, same day. Yes. But you have an anniversary date on every April 15th that um, I think the people who are going to listen to this podcast need to know about. And Tell it's us not, about it's it. not tax day. <laughs> it is not tax day, yes. So, in addition to uh, living a... Uh, a dream life, starting my own business, being successful, raising a uh, son and daughter, and having my son take an interest in the business and showing that he learned enough to be successful on his own. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, make it through a hard physical time 23 years ago, and uh, I was diagnosed with a, uh, a heart condition that was a viral thing uh, no one expected it and uh, it left me needing a heart transplant so uh, I was in the prime of my career I was running a company and um, we were growing and um, I had to take a detour for a while and I did and successfully so I'm still sitting here today in front of you uh, yeah. and very very blessed that I was given um, this extended length of time to uh, to not only work but to see my family grow. You know that was uh, when we talked this morning. We walked in the, um, our friendship, and the part of terror that I was talking about wasn't the markets. Was that was when you were sitting in the hospital day after day because you had to be in the hospital for if you were going to get a heart transplant. And then I remember you bought a baler from me lying in your hospital bed, waiting for your heart, whether we didn't know it was gonna come or go. And you bought a baler. And back in the days, we used to just get all excited every time you made a sale, right? 
And I remember calling your partner, Herb, and telling him, I, I, there's, there doesn't seem to be any joy in this. And he told me something. He says, well, he goes, I understand you. He goes, but I want you to look at something. I go, what's that? He goes, Mark is looking forward to living. And it changed the way I looked at that. Because even though you were sitting there in that dire medical situation, you were looking forward to living. So, hey, I'm buying a Baylor because I'm going to get my heart. I'm getting out of here and we're getting back to work. Well, I had to make sure you delivered it on time. <laughs> and then it was a, the machine we ordered. <laughs> well, it was. And it was. Well, it was. <laughs> Both of those things were met. But, yes. you know, I think that the life lesson of living, no matter what's thrown at you. You know, I've been blessed. Matt, you and I have been blessed, you know. You know, I lost my father to cancer, but he was 87 years old. He lived an unbelievable full life. And so I take that blessing of knowing that I had all those years. And there you have this an amazing blessing of all these years now with a new heart. Correct. It's still, I don't know, Mark. It's just, I, it, I think about it. And, 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 it is amazing. It, I think about it every day. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't go, wow, you are pretty lucky. And yeah. uh, that's why I have protected it like I have, because it was a gift that you could never replace. I remember that whole thing, yeah. you know, from, from far away. Yeah. From far uh, away. It was amazing that he was able to run the operation out of a hospital bed in another state. As we all know, it's a hands-on. You were in Atlanta. Yes, he was in Atlanta. Was. Yeah. In Atlanta. Where were you, Emory? Emory University. Yes, hospital. So he, his hospital room looked like uh, a war room. He had the fax machine. This is before, this is before Blackberries and before, this way before, before email. Before, yeah. E yeah, email was a, was a new yeah, thing. No computers. But, uh, you didn't have the sawed-off shotgun in there, did you? No, no. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's what I always at Scrapple behind the. I always called the control the you know the master control room. There was in the corner, right there was that sawed-off shotgun. It never had to move. It, its presence spoke for itself. Yeah, you know, nobody wanted to come in and, and, and give you a bad time. No. So, Matt, tell us something. Tell us a story that, a funny story. You know, something that was crazy about as a kid watching the whole scrap. Because in the scrap business, everything, there's always something crazy going on here. Yeah, I'll tell you a, a funny story. Uh, I don't remember when it was, but uh, I remember being teenager maybe in my early early 20s late 18 uh, I was coming to work with my dad on a Saturday afternoon and um, we caught uh, somebody breaking into our properties and uh, trying to steal scrap metal and my father uh, reacted in a way that I have never seen before and I won't forget to this day he uh, jumps out of his car and grabs a baseball bat and commences to beat the uh, intruder's bicycle up and dented it up. The, the rims were bent. He couldn't drive away. And as he was swinging the baseball bat, he was telling them that you're stealing from my family. You're stealing from my employee's family. You're stealing from everyone here. Hit the road. Get out of here. And 
it was just unbelievable the way he said it. He didn't hurt the the, uh, the burglar, but he he really sent a message, and it was just a funny, great story, and I'll never forget it. What about you? Tell us a story, Mark. Um, There's one story that is is really funny, and uh, uh, I'll try to tell it as quickly as I possibly can. So uh, the way our offices and the scales were set up, uh, our scale person for the truck scales um, was able to see um, traffic coming into the yard or from the pay window, uh, actually able to see the transactions as they were going on. So the trucks are coming in. Well, one of our drivers um, uh, in a large roll-off truck parked on the street and came in to get his next run, the information or whatever. And we give it to him and we send him on his way. Well, a few minutes later, I get a call on the radio that uh, you need to come out to the street. Okay, now what's wrong? So I go out to the street and it's apparent what happened was this cashier uh, who had just gotten a new car parked it right in front of the roll-off truck so close to it that sitting in the driver's seat you couldn't see this little sports car in front. He jumped back in his truck and took off and drove right over the car, flattened it out. It looked like a crushed car ready for the shredder. Brand new sports car. Right. So I, I take a look at what's going on. And I just can't believe it. It was like going to the um, big truck demolition thing. He just drove right over and flattened it. So I go back in the office and I pick up the walkie-talkie and I tell the fellow out in the yard, I said, take a forklift, go out to the front street you're going to see a flattened car out there. Pick it up, but do not drive through the yard. Bring it in the back gate. Because I obviously knew that she's sitting in front of the big picture window watching the traffic go by. <laughs> that would have flipped her out. So uh, a few minutes later, I hear screaming as loud as I didn't know what, what was going on. And I, I run out to that area, and the, the fellow with the forklift didn't follow my directions. He drove her flattened vehicle right in front of the picture window in her view. And she was just... What kind of car was it? It was like a Mustang or something like that. But uh, I could not calm her down no matter what I, no matter what I did. So uh, finally, we said, we'll take care of this, we'll take care of this. And we said, he, whatever it takes, just go buy yourself a new car and bring us the bill. <laughs> Thank you. So did that get turned into the insurance or you just paid no, for it? No, we did not. I would never have let the insurance know that <laughs> something like that could ever happen. So uh, we got her calmed down and she ended up with a, a new car. Okay. Well, that, yeah. so there, there was a benefit working at Scrap Ball back in the days. But it, it was too funny to, to see how it unfolded. There's a, you know, every day there's something that comes in from the uh, yes there was and there was one more comical thing i get a phone call guy says i have this uh, volkswagen beetle and uh, i need to scrap it because it doesn't run anymore but i want it for a coffee table do you have those machines that crush these things up into coffee tables I said yeah we can do it i said i have to charge you for the time he says that's fine so he brings in this toes in this volkswagen and uh, it didn't look 
bad to me, but he said it blow the motor or whatever. So we pick it up, we put it in the machine, we turned it into a cube about the size of a coffee table. In a Sierra. We used a Sierra <laughs> Baylor, obviously. And uh, he says, now I'm going to go buy a piece of glass and put it on here. So uh, I, I'm asking him, so, uh, you know, this is very, very odd, you know, that you would make a coffee table out of a car. He says, well, it's not exactly the story, but I said, well, exactly what is the story? He says, well, I'm getting divorced and the decree came down and I had to give her the Volkswagen. <laughs> it didn't say what condition it needed to be in. So I'm going to give it to her. I'm taking it to her house today and giving it to her. <laughs> I would have loved to see that. Why didn't you follow that guy? That would have been worth the price of admission for that one. I, uh, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. We did something similar. We, pulled, we used to have auto dismantling. And one of our receptionists had this green VW. And so we had a green VW in the back of the scrapyard. So we bailed it. We, we moved her car and put it, the bail right in her parking spot. And when she came out to go home and sees a bailed Volkswagen, she lost her marbles. I mean, it wasn't a joke that went over very well. Her, her car was fine, but it, it was like, that's a joke. That's not, I mean, she yeah. instantaneously, you saw the wheels come off and just the marbles spilling all over the place. It, 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 but it, yeah, so those are a, a lot of things like that went on over the years, which uh, kept it light. Because if you if you don't keep it light, uh, you get in trouble. I don't think we have that now, Matt. Do we? No, we I, don't. I don't we think don't. we have the ability to do that. No, not no, anymore. No, somebody's going to be offended. <clears throat> oh yes, and then somebody's going to say, "I'm offended that you're not offended." Yeah, you yeah have we, to, we live in a world, different world these you days. You have to think before you speak. All right, so <laughs> let's wrap up here a little bit. Matt, five years from now, ten years from now, are you still in the business? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is in your blood. It's in my blood. I uh, I really don't know anything else. Uh, so uh, I, I, I see myself in this. In some facet, I'll be in this business. Dad, what do you think? Uh over the next five years, I'm going to watch him still be in this business. <laughs> sure you don't want to come back one day? Well, I enjoy, on, I enjoy coming back all the time. And, uh, you could be a Walmart greeter, a Pasco I, greeter. I, I, I could be a, uh, a Pasco yeah. iron and metal greeter. We're not going to allow him to work here. He can, he can observe. <laughs> I can observe. But believe it or not, uh, during the time I spend here, I see customers that were my customers 25 years ago. And they're still peddlers in the scrap business and they're still bringing metal in and they stayed, um, they stayed extremely dedicated to doing business with our family and yeah. they're so happy that Matt was around for them to go to. It's great to come here. It's great to see this growth. <laughs> I'm looking in your yard, I'm going, uh, you're, you're almost too big for this facility if you're not already too big for it. So keep up the great work. Mark, my friend, it's always great to be with you. Same here. Same here. And I'm just blessed to have a friend in you and all these years later and to be able to sit here and, and know the love is right here. And I'm, I'm truly blessed to be here. And I want to thank both of you for for being on the podcast today. Well, you're very welcome. I, I thank you for the relationship for so many years. Yeah. 
John, thank you very much. Share has always been great to us, not only from equipment and service, but to have a relationship with you. If I need anything, I call the owner of the company directly. We text, we talk on the phone, whatever it takes. It's just been a great, great relationship. And thank you again uh, for your staff and everyone flying in from California. I know it's uh, been a long journey, but uh, to come to a uh, hot, sweaty Florida in the middle of the summer uh, means a lot to me. I'm sorry I put you through it. No, uh, it's next it's, podcast it's, will be in January. <laughs> but you know what? I I I'm, I I feel so good about doing yeah, this, and I'm good. I'm just happy. So, gentlemen, thank you. And that's it for this episode of Pile of Scrap. Good job. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good stuff. Good that was good. Everybody. Great stuff. Okay. Great stuff. Good job. Really good. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.